Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me tonight is my co-host, Caleb Jenks, uh, driving on the dirt roads somewhere in East Texas. I believe he said his trunk is full of moonshine, and he is going to be a little late. Uh, So he has some work to do, and we're just going to go ahead and get started without him. When he gets on in a few minutes, uh, he can try to straighten that whole mess out and make up an excuse. It's going to sound phony whenever he does, so don't expect it to cover. It is September 18th, and tonight we are talking about fasting. So the Bible says, when ye fast. Now, next week, we are going to be talking about the nation of Israel. And I'm excited. That's a great topic. I think there's a lot of confusion about that in Christianity in America today. And we are going to try to straighten that out. But for right now, we are going to be talking about fasting. So as lots of folks are starting to join us, we say welcome. And don't forget, if you are watching the video on Facebook, please get on and listen to us on Spotify download, listen, and share, share, share that podcast. And if you are listening to us on Spotify, don't forget you can get on every Friday night at 8 p.m. Mountain Time and you can watch a live video of Caleb and I talking about the Bible. And Caleb, I want to let you know that I just shared the podcast to a friend of mine and I told him that if he wanted to hear marginally accurate Bible teaching presented poorly, to just click on the link and listen to us on Spotify. So hopefully we drummed up a new listener. So with that, the title of tonight's message or discussion is When Ye Fast. So I figured the first thing we should do is we should turn to that portion of scripture, which is Matthew chapter six, and read just a couple verses kind of to get us started. So we read, and this is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So the first thing we're kind of going to mention here is that fasting is a commandment. Jesus very clearly implied that this is how you are to fast. Now, Jesus doesn't explain how to fast unless he wants you to do it. He goes so far as to say, when you do this, do it this way. Now, the reason that Jesus was explaining it like this is because in his days, many of the Jews would fast one day a week. That was a common practice. So Jesus was explaining how to do it and how not to do it. And everyone there picked up on it. It wasn't a strange idea. One of my favorite things to do 
is blow out of the water the what would Jesus do t-shirt and bracelet crowd. Because it's a foolish question. What would Jesus do? The real question is, what did Jesus do? And we find that written down in all the pages of the Bible. It's very easy to see what Jesus did. And one of the things Jesus did was he fasted. He did this regularly. Jesus would fast for short periods of time, and Jesus would fast for long periods of time, as we see in the uh, previous couple chapters, when Jesus would do a fast for as long as 40 days. Now, something else we really just have to take care of quickly and painlessly. We're just going to rip the Band-Aid off right now. Fasting is when you do not eat. That is it. You do not fast from television or your smartphone or Facebook or from candy bars. You do not fast from these things. Stop using the word fasting because words have meanings. There are definitions that we need to adhere to. Words mean things. And fasting means going a period of time without eating. You can drink water. As a matter of fact, it is encouraged and suggested that you drink water when you fast. <coughs> but fasting is going for a period of time without food. That's all fasting has ever been. Now, abstaining from things is biblical. And the Bible talks about that in different places. One thing that it talks about, believe it or not, is for husbands and wives to abstain from physical intimacy, but only for a period of time so that they can stay focused on their fasting and prayer. So abstaining from things that are a distraction is fine. If you want to abstain from anything that you find to be a distraction in your life, that's great. Just as I said, please stop calling it fasting. It just muddies up the water and confuses people. So now, with our audience at a whopping two people, neither of which seem to be asking any questions, I'm going to jump in here as soon as I share or try to share this video in order to help some people find us here. So as far as fasting goes, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you that fasting typically does not get any harder than day two to four. Usually by day three, you are over the most difficult part of a fast. Now, if you have never fasted before, I recommend just doing a 24-hour fast. And the way that you do that is you fast from sundown till the following sundown. That is the ecclesiastical day. That is the day that the Jews adhered to in the Old Testament. Today, we think of a day starting at midnight, so you would just fast from when you wake up to when you go to bed. Technically, that's not what they would do. They would fast from sundown till sundown, which is the calendar 
day in the for the uh, for the Jews, and we find this written all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter one. It defines the day as the evening, then the morning. So I would recommend to anyone that you go ahead and just try fasting for 24 hours. Now, practically speaking, a couple of things. Drink lots of water, lots and lots and lots of water. It is good for you. And I'll tell you what, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, even though I know some people are going to have a heart attack and, you know, roll their eyes at this statement. Anybody can fast. Anybody can do it. I've heard so many people give excuses. Oh, I can't do it. My doctor tells me not to do it. My, you know, my health says that, you know, I can't do it. I have issues that come up and, and, and you know, and I, and I just cannot do it. You can do it. The Bible commands you to do it. I guarantee that you can fast. Believe it or not, fasting is actually physically very healthy for you. So <clears throat> sundown to sundown, you put down food. The fast is only water. It's not water and Gatorade <clears throat> and a protein shake. It is just water. You drink lots of it. And one of the purposes behind fasting is prayer. The Bible relates fasting and prayer over and over and over again. And I'm going to look up one of these verses right here. Okay. Let's get into a couple of ideas. Caleb, I'm going to bring you in and I am going over how prayer and fasting go together. So here, when you go to Matthew chapter 17, we find out if you go Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to scroll down to verse 21. And to give you the background here, this is a case where the apostles were unable to heal somebody. Okay, so <clears throat> there was this fella, uh, and he brought his son. And his son, it, it, the Bible says, if we pick it up in verse 10, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. So this gentleman brings his son to Jesus because his disciples were unable to help him. Picking it up in verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? So the disciples are concerned. He said, we tried to do it, Lord. We did it just like you explained us, you know, to us to do it. And it didn't work. And Jesus's answer is, <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So let me ask you, Caleb, what does that mean Jesus was doing at the time? Yeah, he's obviously fasting. He was obviously fasting. 
So we see this again and again, but as I said, fasting and prayer are linked together over and over and over in the Bible. And the Bible talks about how your prayers are more effective when you fast. Now, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't ever explain the how and the why. It just says that fasting with prayer is a good thing to do because for some reason it works better. So one thing you got to remember is when you're fasting, you want to be praying without ceasing to quote first Thessalonians or second Thessalonians chapter five. Prayer is an important part. So make sure that you pray no matter what you're doing. Now I fasted on my days off. I fasted when I'm at work. And I understand that uh, the Bible says to fast and pray. It doesn't say to fast and work. It can be difficult, especially when you're doing uh, multiple days. Uh, if you're doing just one day, I, I really have never had a problem. As a matter of fact, I often feel like I'm able to concentrate a little better. So when you fast, <clears throat> This is how you do it. Caleb, I've been going for about a dozen minutes. You want to jump in with anything here? Or do you want me to just keep on going? No, that's great. Um, how about this? You why, why don't you start by telling us about the first time you fast, the first time you ever fasted, what were you hoping for, and what did you discover? Can you remember that far back? Um. No, I can't. The first, the first serious fast, the first serious fast that I um, that I did was leading up to my baptism. I spent a few weeks fasting leading up to that, and um, in prayer, um, pr prayer and fasting during that time. And I was toward the end of the Bible. I was trying to read the entire Bible front to back before I was baptized. And so I was going through revelations and I was, I was fasting. And I remember one of the, I remember one of the results that I seem to see is that uh, while I was quite focused on God, I wasn't sure if there was a lot of mental clarity some of the time because <laughs> I've been fasting for a while. Um, and I, I do remember thinking that, um, well, the, the Bible says to do everything in moderation. I remember thinking that I'd probably taken it to an extreme of fasting longer than I needed to, but I remembered how Jesus was in the wilderness and he had been spending a decent amount of time fasting when he encountered Satan was tempted. And, um, I thought, well, I might as well be willing to, to, to fast for a decent amount of time. But I did do a Bible study at that point on, on fasting, wondering, um, you know, what kind of, what is, what is the basis for fasting? And you had mentioned that it is commanded um, and Jesus said, when you fast, this is what you shouldn't do. But if we go um, to Leviticus, let's go to Levit Leviticus 16. And hmm, where is this? You want me to look it up by keyword for you? No, let's go tw uh, 29. Uh, 1629. Okay. Um, and this is where 
the Jewish tradition of fasting was started, where it was commanded. And this was uh, the beginning. They have a, a period of fasting ahead of um, the, the Feast of Atonement. Um, and 29, it says, um, well, actually, let's go back to I'm trying to think where I should start in here. If we start in at 29, it says, and this shall be a statute forever unto you. That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that ye shall be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And it, and it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you. You shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. So this was something that was commanded forever. And where it's talking about afflicting your souls here, this is the way that it's translated in King James. But this is specifically talking about fasting. Um, and it was interesting to me when I started studying on this a little bit. This is um, one of these commandments that was commanded forever. So Jesus was doing it and he was assuming that his disciples were going to continue to observe this Jewish tradition, which was um, a yearly thing. Yeah, it is. It wasn't. It wasn't a strange thing to Jesus at the time. Everybody did it. Maybe some people did it over the top and made a big, big show of it, but it was commanded that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, that they were supposed to fast, and then that was what led up to the uh, Yom Kippur or whatever it is, the atonement. Yep. So, anyways, um, that is. That is where it was brought in originally into the Bible. And I, I, I did remember reading that and thinking, okay, so this is maybe not something that they did every day, all the time, but at least once a year, everybody was fasting. The Muslims, I think, fast once a week, if I'm not mistaken, like on Thursdays or something. <laughs> so I just thought I, I would bring that up as a little context as far as as far as where this got originated, Jesus obviously talks of it, but he talks of it uh, like was it was kind of a... with the Muslims. No, <laughs> no, not the Muslim thing. Got it. But that as far as as far as the commandment where it was originally initiated, was um, in the it law was a feast of Moses. Day. You got it. Correct. Back when they were in the desert. Okay. So anyway, so, that's that's I think speaks more than my experience of fasting. I've I've gotten fat. I've gotten hungry when I was fasting. I haven't gotten fat when I was fasting. Good. That's the and experience. I've, I've had you good experiences share. with God, but I would do it whether I ha ever had good results or not because it's it says that we're supposed to do it. So and mm -hmm. Jesus did it. So what what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He fasted, so we should fast. But you, you know, brought up something interesting there, yeah, and there is obviously ahead. some power in prayer and fasting that where mm -hmm. to where the disciples were able to cast out a demon um after fasting that they couldn't have cast out before so there's something about that yeah and we find that <clears throat> we find that that story is uh quoted in three of the uh of the gospels uh it's quoted in matthew mark and luke so it's a story that carries some weight. Not that you need the Bible to repeat the story multiple times for, for us to take it seriously. But for some reason, all uh, three of the four of the gospel writers wanted that in the gospel or it stood out to them. 
Holy Spirit, you know, led them to put it in there. Now, there's another verse here in Luke chapter 5, verse 33, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, just to give a little bit of context as far as fasting goes. So this is the time when the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus, who is at the feast of at the house of Levi. We pick it up in verse 29, and I believe this is Luke chapter 5, if I'm correct. Yes, Luke chapter 5. And here we read, and Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And they're asking Jesus this question. And Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise the disciples of the pharisees but thine eat and drink so we're kind of ignoring the main theme to this little portion of scripture that you're going to hear in church a million times and we're looking at the the plot that we read in between the lines here and what we find out is that John the Baptist and his followers fasted often. And when they did it, they made prayers. Now, this is important because Jesus himself says that among men, there are none greater than John the Baptist. Now, let me tell you, I don't know how many nice things Jesus is going to have to say about Patrick Hayes when I get up to heaven. I, I very much doubt he's going to put his arm around me and say, hey, everybody, listen up. Okay, you see this guy? He's just swell. But he did that when he spoke about John the Baptist. And he, he spoke about him in not only a positive light, he said that... He was the greatest man among men. And what did John do? And what did his followers do? And not only what did they do, but what did they do often? They fasted. And when they fasted, they prayed. So again, this is showing us that if we want to be a really great Christian, well, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to emulate Jesus and the people that he said were really great Christians. So this is one thing that they did was they fasted often and they prayed. So Caleb, do you want to move into any specific story about fasting? You want to give any personal experience? Now, I don't, did you know that this one was coming up like prior to, I don't know, yesterday? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, but, I don't know. I don't know how often you look at the events to see what's well, coming up. I had seen it on the schedule, but it was kind of funny. Okay. So earlier today, my wife and I were in Austin and um, at a Golden Corral. We were eating as much. No. as we, <laughs> we went to Chick Fil A. Okay. Oh. And then we drove out by uh, by the lake, and we were sitting there watching the sunset. 
and of course on Friday nights, I always enjoy watching the sunset because it's the beginning of the Sabbath. And I was and yeah. we were sitting there watching the sunset and I mentioned something about needed to get back in time for the podcast tonight. And so we actually didn't watch it set the whole way. We saw it go about halfway down and then we left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she said, Oh, that's right. You got, got a podcast tonight. What are you guys talking about? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I knew a few of the upcoming topics. And then of course I called you. Um, I, we got in the car and we were headed home and I was in a rush. I called you and uh, I don't know, we were 10, 15 minutes ahead of the podcast. And then when you opened up in prayer ahead of time, you said, you know, God, I don't know if Caleb's done any more prep work for this podcast than I have, uh, but I haven't. And then you got done praying and you were like, so uh, are you fasting? And I was like, oh, that's what we're talking oh. about. It's fasting. So that's Why when I, that's that? when I remembered what the topic was. <laughs> Great. Well, the, um, the reason I ask is because I put up the topics and I, and, and our listeners at home probably don't understand that or know that. So I'm the one that gets on. Now, Caleb and I discuss what topics are going to get on there. And when people make suggestions, we always throw them on. We have a schedule, but as far as the guy that gets on the computer and puts it up on the, the page, I'm the one. So I always know what's coming up. Caleb, I assume looks at it sooner or later, but I really don't know. So I had the. Advantage. I knew it was either fasting or the nation of Israel, but I wasn't sure which. Sure. So, uh, because of that, I was reading a book on fasting, and I fasted in preparation to this. You know, just for the experience again, and to remind myself, you know, of some things about fasting. So that's why I was asking if uh, if you remembered what it was or how many times did you fast in the last couple of weeks, you know, in preparation for this, how much. So are you wearing sackcloth and ashes right now? No, no, I'm actually, no. I'm actually out of sackcloth. My, uh, my okay. sackcloth guy has been shut down due to COVID-19. I haven't been able You're- to purchase any. So you had too many uh, holes in your sackcloth. You wore it out. <laughs> yeah, it was worn smooth. It was smooth as Egyptian cotton. So it no longer did its purpose. So I just doubled up on the ashes. So, so as far as my experiences with it, the, the longest mm-hmm. that I ever fasted was for three weeks. Um, okay. And that was, tw- that was 21 days straight, which is remarkable for these days, but sure. it still pales in comparison to Jesus and Moses fasting for 40 days each so that was uh, at my time i was like well i'm pretty sure i can survive longer but i I went ahead and quit anyways because i couldn't find i couldn't find just every day you know uh run-of-the-mill joe blow guys that were fasting for a a long period of time it was important people like jesus and moses and i was like i'll leave it i'll I'll leave it to the big hitters (laughs) 40 days i'll go ahead and survive i'm doing great yeah, I felt like anything past 21 days was going to go uh, to the supernatural level of survival because <laughs> 40 days, that's, I don't know, 40 days, that's um, pretty much supernatural, I would say. I think God I, is sustaining. Yeah, I only know a couple of guys that have gone uh, 40 days on a fast. You know, the, the other thing is all the people that I knew that went 40 days on a fast were pastors. They, they were not guys, um, digging ditches for a living. You know, they weren't doing hard, uh, physical labor, uh, which I'm assuming, you know, might be easier. I mean, I've, you know, never tried to do 40 days, so I I don't know. But like I said, when, when we read through the Bible, the Bible talks about fasting and praying and 
you can work. I, I, I can barely think of any times when I fasted and did not work. A lot of times I end up doing it on weekdays, you know, through the week rather than on weekends. But I, I'll be honest, I find that when I fast on a work day, it's easier because I'm staying busy and time kind of seems to fly. Whereas when I do it on a day off, I feel like I'm watching the clock a little bit more and it seems to drag on. That's neither here nor there. I don't know what you do with that information. I'm just letting you know a little bit about my experience. The one thing I will tell you, and this has been what I've, this is the biggest lesson that I've learned when I fasted. I remember reading in the Bible and coming across this as a young believer, and I wanted to do this. And I talked to my pastor and just learned a little bit about it. And it was very, I mean, it's very straightforward. It's very simple. You know, fasting is not a complicated thing. You just stop eating. You drink lots of water and you stop eating. And I had hopes that I was going to fast and I was going to feel like a super Christian. I had this idea that it was just going to get me so close to God and I was going to be, oh, I don't want to know if I want to use the word, you know, so proud of myself, but I was just going to feel the presence of God. And what I learn or what I remember every time I fast is the exact opposite. What I learn is just exactly how weak and powerless I am and how much I depend on God. It is the greatest reminder in my life that I am but flesh. And without God, I am nothing. So it doesn't, I've never fasted and felt bigger and more powerful as a Christian. I was kind of hoping that I would be walking on water and prophesying to the multitudes, but I never did. Instead, I learned how small I am and I learned how big God is. And that was the just the greatest lesson and the greatest reminder that I get every single time I fast is that it, it brings me down to my actual size and reminds me how worthless I am, which is just a wonderful lesson. And that's why I wish every Christian would try fasting. It'll help you remember your actual level of reliance on God. Because I think it's easy for us to get away from that and start to think that we run the show we are in control. We have some level of power. Yeah. It's also interesting to me whenever I fasted how, how it shows your weakness for uh, being able to actually hold temptations at bay <laughs> when you are so used to just eating food whenever you want. Yeah. And then hunger c comes upon you 
I mean, for me, I've got, I got a pretty big appetite. I eat a quite a bit on a regular basis. So sure. When it hits, it hits for real. And it, it not only reminds me of my, of my need to be sustained by God, but it also reminds me of my weakness. And as as far as temperance, self-control, being able to, to avoid temptation, um, it's kind of, it it highlights that for sure. So I was going to mention as far as, oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, please. You have a spoon. You have, you have a spoon analogy or something here to no, go no, on no. fasting. No, this is actually. I think a, this, this is. A I spork actually think lesson. that this. Oh, it's a spork. I think that the spoon would fit into the fasting episode better than the baptism one. It seems like you could you could easily demonstrate with a spoon how you you take the spoon and you dip the food and you just throw it out. And you don't eat it or something like that. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I, I a couple things that I've reminded myself of when I'm fasting before is how Jesus says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that has been interesting to me how, when, when God created man, he breathed the breath of life into us and how we are so dependent. I mean, we will kill to eat. We will do anything that we can to make sure that we have food on our plate but yet we don't have that same survival instinct when it comes to the bread of life, the word of God, and actually making sure that we can do that. And I think being in our culture right now where it's easily accessible to have a Bible, um, that's, that is a little different for us. But there's been people in other cultures that, you know, communism and whatnot, where the Bibles are not allowed. And they would have given anything to, to have a Bible. And we have it and it sits on our shelf and we make sure we get food in. But as far as the word of God and actually taking that in, it's uh, low on our priority list. We wouldn't, we wouldn't fight to survive with the word of God. Um, so anyways, that, that was that. But um, I was going to turn know, to Exodus 34. Go ahead. Oh, I you was just thought. going to, well, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, um, along the lines of what you just mentioned, you know, Jesus is, uh, he's called the bread of life. And it's funny that so many Christians will start off the day and they'll get their food, they'll get their breakfast in the morning and they will uh, skip out on the most important meal. And that is, you know, the word of God that is getting some of that bread of life. And that is so much more important to me than eating. And let me tell you, for those of you who are just listening to the audio, um, it's clear that I don't fast often enough. I mean, I certainly have, you know, 40 pounds to lose and uh, that could be taken care of (laughs) by going to the bread of life a little bit more often and not the uh, bread of Dunkin' Donuts. So Exodus chapter 34, give it us. Yeah, Exodus 34. Um, let's go with um, this is where the uh, verse 10. I'm going to go ahead. Played. Yeah, this is this is the fun part when you get on Spotify and you don't have the you don't have the amazing visual mm-hmm. of us with our deferring lengths of amazing facial hair going on and everything else that, that you get, you only get the audio, no visual. Uh, so then you got these dead spots in here. 
All right, all right. Yeah. I'm just going to start I, reading. I know ahead. plenty of people that would say they're fortunate to not have to see the video. <laughs> that is a blessing from God that they don't have to look at your ugly mug for an hour every Friday. <laughs> that they only yeah. have to work with your voice. Did I say your? I meant our. Our right, is what right. I'm sorry, that. Go ahead. Exodus 34. Let's get back. Yeah, so that. 34. I'm going to start in, in uh, verse 10 here, but this is. Uh, this is a fun part of scripture to me. There's so many places in the Bible that people will use to try to disprove the Bible. And this is going to be one of them here um, where they'll say, this is scientifically impossible. And it just shows that mm -hmm. the supernatural actually does happen. You can't explain some of these miracles that happened in the Bible. You can't explain them away by, uh, by finding some natural phenomenon that took place and made it possible. So I'll start in um, verse 10. And he said, behold, I make a covenant. Before all thy people, I will do marvels such as have not been seen, sorry, have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou... Make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare, a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images. Amber alert. You shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord God, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and thou go whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods. And one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons. And their daughters go a whoring after other gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after other gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods. Amen. The feast of unleavened. Oh, the sorry. feast of unleavened bread shalt thou keep. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, as I commanded thee in the time of the month of Abib. I guess that's how you say it. I or say in the Abib. month of Abib. Okay, we'll go Tomato, with that. Tomato. I'm I'm not Hebrew. Um, for in the month of Abib thou camest out of Egypt all that openeth the matrix is mine and every firstling among the cattle whether ox or sheep that is male but the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb and if thou redeem him not then thou shalt break his neck all the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem and none shall appear before me empty six, doubt, okay, six days I, I just hold on I just looked it up it's pronounced Abib Abibe. The month of Abibe. <laughs> okay. Well, I was wrong and I was wrong again. But I'm sure Google's right. So we'll, we'll go with Abibe. <laughs> Couple Sorry. Bible scholars. We do our research on Google here. <laughs> Mid midstream. Wikipedia. Six days shalt <laughs> six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. In earing time and in har harvest, thou shalt rest, and thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the at the year's end. Thrice in the year shall all your men children appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before thee and enlarge thy borders. Neither shall any man desire thy land, when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with le leaven, neither shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left unto the morning. 
The first of the fir- first fruits in thy land shalt thou bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. And the Lord said to, unto Moses, write, that, write thou these words. For after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the t- t- tables the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So either we don't believe that the Ten Commandments, that any of this actually happened, or we actually believe that it did and that Moses actually went without food and water for 40 days, which is scientifically impossible to live without food or water for 40 days. So clearly God was sustaining him somehow. And um, so again, it's a reminder when I'm fasting, I I remind myself of this story where, um, yeah, it's not possible for somebody to live more than what is it? Three days. I think that you can't live without water is the maximum that that a person can usually live without water. Yeah. The rule, uh, this is just a survivalist rule. It's two weeks without food, two days without water, two hours without shelter, as far as you'll die from exposure and two hours in the cold, and then two minutes without oxygen. That's roughly what you're dealing with. So, you know, it's the law of twos. It's not, it's not an exact science because obviously you can go longer than that without food, but, but without water, yeah, you're at a maximum of two or three days and you're going to be unconscious and hallucinating. So I think if it would have been Moses went without food and water for six days, it would have been like, well, you know, maybe he was, maybe he was under a shade tree and he wasn't sweating at all. And he, mm-hmm. You know, you could maybe try to somehow scientifically explain that away, how that would have been possible. Sure. But uh, for him to go 40 days, um, and I believe it was 40 literal days, says 40 days mm-hmm. and 40 nights, he did not eat bread or wa- or drink water. So I, I t- like to take this literally. I don't think that it was that he had every other day that he fasted, <laughs> that it, he skipped 40 days out of 80. I, I believe that he actually fasted for 40 days and he didn't drink water. Days. Yeah. And so to me, that is, it's just as miraculous that God parted the Red Sea for Moses as the fact that he sustained him for 40 days while he was uh, writing down the words that God had spoke to him. Um, it's also very interesting that while Moses was off busy doing that, that Aaron was down there <laughs> doing the very thing that God had told them not to do. <laughs> I, man, that was, that was quite the, uh, quite the brother to have along with you there, man. Bring Aaron along for the road <clears throat> trip and lead everybody astray. <laughs> so I was thinking about giving a little bit of a warning, a practical one because I'm hoping that people are going to listen to this and they're going to realize that God commands them to fast and that they've never done it before and they need to start doing it and that it'll be a good thing for their walk with God. And they're going to try to they fast. Don't have the liability of somebody trying for 40 days. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, realistically, if, you know, I, I already said at the beginning of this episode, if you're going to, if you've never fasted before and you're going to try it, I suggest that you, start with one day, go from sundown to sundown, like they would do in the Bible. And that's where you start and see how that works. And, you know, if it's a a good experience and you enjoy it, then go ahead and try it every so often or so many weeks, do a day, and then go ahead and try doing two, and then you can do three. Now, one thing I will tell you, for a lot of people, the first time you fast, 
you are going to think you're dying. <laughs> and it's because you're going to start shaking and you're going to get a headache and you're going to be, you know, seeing double. And what that is, that's your body going into withdrawals for a lack of caffeine and a lack of sugar and a lack of all the garbage that you put we're into your body. You're learning how unhealthy Patrick is and what a terrible diet he has. No, you you really are. Most people are going to be amazed. You know, if if you drink six cups of coffee in the morning and then you and you've been doing that for years and you go on a fast, you are going to feel that. And depending on what you eat, it's going to be the same way. So you're going to start, your body is going to be freaking out because of the things it normally has that you're addicted to that you didn't even know you were as far as a physical addiction, you know, and that craving for caffeine and sugar that your body is used to. So I'm just pointing that out. So you don't start out by running to the emergency room <laughs> two hours after breakfast time because you think you're dying. Uh, you are not. <laughs> That's just uh, one of the things that you're going to experience. Like I said, drink lots of water. Okay, Caleb. So, so I just learned something something interesting. This is oh way, way off the rails. But thanks to oh, our good. commenters on here. Mm -hmm. Somebody says uh, that Ginsburg died. Does that mean that we have a Supreme Court vacancy? So, yes. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Ginsburg. Justice just died tonight so there is a vacancy well okay so technically you said is there a vacancy well no there's not because there's nothing in the constitution that says there have to be nine justices and when you go through all of american history you find out that there are a variety of number of justices at different times so you can have hmm. 20 21 supreme court justices you can have three the nothing specifies how many you have to have. It's not like senators where there has to be two for each state. Hmm. With that being said, well, maybe, maybe while Trump is at replacing her seat, he could just add on like another five or 10 more. Well, I'll tell you what, you're not the first guy to suggest that. And <clears throat> so it is customary that the sitting president would replace the Supreme Court justice when they either retire or die. So in, you know, in, in this case, it would be customary that the president would replace the Supreme Court justice and keep nine on the bench, but you don't have to, there's nothing, you know, saying that you have to. So, yep, we'll see how that goes. So I would like to let everyone know that I have already uh, prayed for her family, and I would suggest that everyone else do that as the loss of a family member is difficult, no matter how much of a crazy communist left wing pinko nut job they are. And I mean that in all sincerity. Like, wow, I didn't. I, I was like, wow, I didn't realize Patrick was so 
politically correct. And then I thought you were going to go right into an eulogy. And then you. <laughs> go ahead I am serious funny. about both of those. I seriously did pray for her family. I do. I prayed that God would not only bring them comfort, but that God would use this as an opportunity to remind them of their mortality and their need for salvation. And as far as her beliefs go, I am thrilled that she no longer has any sway over this country. I was not yeah. wishing her death. I was certainly wishing that she would resign and not have any effect on this country anymore because she and her decisions are responsible for so many terrible things. It's horrible. I mean, just absolutely horrible. So there you go. The political minute from Patrick and Caleb. Hope that. Helps yeah, somebody. I just saw somebody. I just saw somebody had said something about that in the comments. So I was curious. Anyways, yep. okay. So, All right, so we got on to the issue of Moses uh, fasting for forty days. I'm not sure. I, I was also thinking about touching on Jesus and his forty day fast, but I'm not sure if there's other thing, some other direction that you want this to go. I'm honestly along for the ride here. I'm. I no, the only nothing. thing I was the only thing I wanted to do before we we leave uh, before we move off of this is I just wanted to hold up this book. It's called God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. This is a great. You, book. you somehow found a way to bring silverware into this after all, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, there's a knife and a fork on, on the book. <laughs> somehow you so, still got to bring that spoon in here. Yeah. If anyone wants a good book to start out with, okay, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. It is a great book. I would suggest anyone that is interested in learning more about fasting, pick that up. It goes through the Bible. It's very practical. It's very helpful. And it's not, you know, it's not a huge book. I mean, the, the entire book is only, you know, 150 pages long. So it's, it's an easy read to get through. <clears throat> now, with that being said, you know, I always suggest if you want to learn about a subject while you're reading through your Bible, you start a file on it. And for me, I use Microsoft Word when I'm on my computer and I just make a document. And every time I come across verses on a subject, I just throw them into that document. And then you know, a couple months later, I go back and I'm like, oh, look at that. I already compiled every verse there was, you know, and you jot down your thoughts about it. And all of a sudden you have the raw data that you can use to start your own study, you know, on any subject in the Bible. So <clears throat> with that being said, um, did you say you wanted to move in a certain direction or you had a question or what? Let me ask you this, Caleb. It, what would what do you think the top three questions people would have as far as, you know, fasting? Because so far I, I tried to encourage folks to, to get on here and and write in some questions. We didn't get a whole bunch. Uh, so let me answer this one. OK, for Louie. Uh, no, diet Pepsi is not OK during a fast. That does not count. Thank you for the question. And that was an easy one. So we hit that one out of the park. Okay, what what else do you have? Well, I was going to say, I've also, I know a lot of people that do um, kind of a, a cheating fast where they <laughs> fast until dinner. Um, what do you mean? And 
well, so they'll they'll maybe skip breakfast and lunch or something like that. Mm. So they basically they they go down one one or two meals a day is all. Now, if you if you, you know do a called? sundown to sundown fast, go ahead. What they're what they're doing? Do you know what that's called? Huh? That no, there's a name for it. That's actually called not fasting. That's <laughs> that's what that is. Well, I I have actually done that before, where I was trying to fast and uh-huh. I got toward the end of the day and I was working and I had a headache and it was hot. Yeah. If you're out working in the heat in Texas, yeah. sometimes it can get, get a little brutal. So I've broken my fast partway through the day and I was like, all right, God, that's all you get. Well, and, and that's um, a great point. And you know what I'm going to say, Caleb, when someone starts feeling like that, eat some food that right. everyone, every Christian who incorporates fasting into their life fails at fasting. From time to time, that's going to happen. And there's a lesson in that as well. So don't feel like the time was wasted. Don't feel like your effort to have a fast was a waste of time. You, you attempted to, to obey God. That's what you attempted to do. And, and I applaud anyone that's about as good for as going it gets down off that road. <laughs> well, I mean, in all honesty, if I could get everyone under the power of my voice to just try to obey God, I think America would be doing pretty well. Well, maybe not America. Uh, don't but don't, at least don't our, kid yourself. Yeah, at <laughs> least there's 15 there's listeners. Like, is there 11 people watching right now? <laughs> We're down to 10. But okay. you understand. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I know. You know, so I, I, I've had the same thing happen. And I, I can tell you that I felt like a terrible failure when I had to break my fast and I had to eat because I didn't feel like I could do it. And don't beat yourself up about that. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd recommend that after you have something to eat, you go and you talk to God about it. Now, here's another point that you just made me think of. When you get down or when you come down from your fast, do it gently. Okay. Don't, <clears throat> don't eat junk food. Okay. Don't come off a fast and eat McDonald's. Okay. Come off a fast and have a couple pieces of toast with some butter and a cup of tea. Okay. Take it easy to get back into eating food, depending, especially you got to break, fa- break your fast like a man. Go get a triple meat burger with cheese. <laughs> Go fries. to Dairy Queen and get a flamethrower with onion rings. <laughs> okay, do not listen to Caleb. Let me tell you, your stomach will hate you for it, okay? You can get back to eating normally in a couple hours, but I'm telling you, <clears throat> sometimes when you come down off a of fast, you feel like eating everything in sight, and your body is going to crave junk food especially if you are in a habit of eating a lot of junk food. Okay. So all I'm saying is when you come off a fast, especially if it's multiple days, you know, if it's, if it's one day, it's not going to be as drastic, but when you do multiple days, it's best if you ease into it a little bit. That's, that's all I'm, you know, suggesting to folks. Have you ever accidentally broken a fast and you're like, Oh, the reason you can tell that you, that you broke your fast is because you eat a little something and yep. all of a sudden your whole body reacts. It's like, Oh wait, yeah. we're not in survival mode anymore. There's food <laughs> and yes. your saliva glands kick in and everything in your body like feels like way mm-hmm. out of whack. Yeah. I've done that before where I was like, Oh, that's right. I just ate some grapes. I was fasting. Never mind about that. <laughs> then there's, then there's the times where I, where I accidentally break the fast and I'm like, well, 
I only ate one cracker. Should I keep fasting? <laughs> Just pretend like it didn't happen. Maybe yeah. God was looking the other way. I wasn't praying. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny you say that because I've had the same thing happen because you got to remember that's another thing we're learning. We naturally just get food when you're hungry. You reach over to the passenger side and grab a handful of nuts or an apple or whatever you're eating and you do it without thinking about it. So that has happened to me as well, where all of a sudden, you know, in the middle of the day, you're like, oh, man, and you're upset because, you know, you didn't even think about it. You just naturally reached out and grabbed something and threw it in your mouth and ate it down. And and then the, I had the exact same I thought. <laughs> I actually literally have gone to a drive through before I remembered. I was like, oh, I just ordered <laughs> I ordered food at a drive through And then I had to remind <laughs> myself of other scriptures where it says to eat was set before you at that point. It's like, oh, well, it must be time to break my fast. It sure mm-hmm. smells good. I've got to. I have a nice, I have broken my fast with a burger a few times. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it feels really good at the time. Later on, later on, you might feel a little bit weird, but yeah. Oh man. So somebody here um, mentioned being diabetic. Actually, it was kind of funny because two people commented about diabetes in, right in a row, like one right up. And looks like right at the same time, 2156. Yeah. And I don't know me, what that means on here. I don't, it's not sure the time is accurate the time stamps that we get yeah it's not accurate at all but that's okay so uh the the question is can i fast when i have diabetes so the answer is yes and no okay so uh depending on your diabetes and the seriousness of it and how you manage it uh can you fast yes i know people with diabetes who do fast uh the recommendation is to talk to your doctor and uh tell them what your plan is and uh, make a plan with them. So instead of just embarking on your own, consult with your physician <clears throat> and talk to them about it and uh, uh, figure out, you know, the best way to do it. But there are uh, people that, um, you know, fast with diabetes. You can find doctors that have diabetes. You can find um, Christians with diabetes that will, you know, uh, that have had, have experience with this. And the one thing to remember is <clears throat> the goal of fasting is not to complete it to your detriment. Okay. The goal of fasting is to try to be obedient to God, to learn the lesson that he has for you and to be able to spend some time praying and have your prayers supernaturally work out better. With that being said, we don't continue to fast when we feel like we're going to fall asleep at the wheel. Okay. You can break your fast and you can try it again another day. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But like I said, talk to your physician, get a plan, you know, give it a shot and you're going to find out that, um, some of you might have an easy time. Some might have a, a tougher time, but there are diabetics that are going to fast and, and they, that are going to do it successfully. Yeah, we uh, we actually have somebody in our church that's diabetic and I know she fasts. Um, I think probably won't be able to fast as long as somebody that doesn't have, you know, the healthier mm-hmm. you are, the longer you may be able to fast. So the other, um, and I would also say in, in that case, there may be some people that can't really fast too long without um, without hurting yourself health-wise. And even though it doesn't, 
it doesn't count the same. It's not called fasting, abstaining. From, there may be other other things that you can't abstain from in your life that does you know does have similar effects. Maybe you still have to have a candy bar in order to keep keep you through keep you alive through the day with your blood sugar or something like that. But you still fast as good as you can. Obviously, neither Patrick and I or I would ever say that anything that's commanded in the Bible is um, is necessary in order to be a, to be a Christian or that that you have to um, somehow your salvation is coming through this stuff. Obviously not, but as far as walking in obedience to God, fasting is one of the things that the Bible says to do. I was going to mention um, about Jesus when he fasted for 40 days and it says that sure. afterward he was very hungry. And hungered. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Go to Matthew chapter four. Four. Yeah. It's right at the beginning of the chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after her afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is again, one of those things that I like to rem- remember when I am um, fasting is this was Jesus while he was hungry and wanted to eat. And Satan comes along. And he's like, Hey, well, Jesus was a little bit lucky, or maybe he did it on purpose. He went off in the, he, he got maybe 20 miles away from the, the closest Burger King. So he couldn't accidentally drive through the drive through and order himself up a triple meat whopper. Um, but apparently the closest thing that Satan could find to tempt him with Jesus had put him himself in a position where it was stones around him. And that was all he had to eat. Satan wasn't like, Hey, pick, pick one of those figs off the tree. He's like, Hey, you could turn one of these stones into bread and eat it. You know, couldn't you? And so it's interesting to me that this was part of the temptation. This was the first part of the temptation that Jesus faced here was Satan coming to him and trying to um, exploit his hunger and his, mm-hmm. his weakness physically. And I have noticed that. And that's one of the things that you mentioned is, is real, realizing how much you depend on God. But I've realized how, when I'm fasting, how weak I am, especially toward temptation, the temptation to eat. And I can have it decided in my head, it's easy to go into a fast. I've had people come up to me at church before and be like, hey, there's this need, should we fast together? And it's like, oh yeah, this is fun, let's fast. Uh, it's not fun <laughs> when, it, when it gets down to the, when the rubber meets the road two or three days into it, the fast is not, you know, it's not just like, oh yeah, let's just flippantly do this. It's a, it's a real commitment that you make. And, and Satan comes along and tries to tempt you. Burger King comes along and tries to tempt you. Your wife, um, your good friends from church will say, Hey, why don't you guys come over for dinner? And there'll be all kinds of temptations oh, yeah. that come along and it's, yeah. and, and there'll be people around you eating yep. and you'll There's be fixing food Chinese for your children. That just showed up and opened their grand opening. They're like, yeah, free meals for anyone who's fasting. I mean, it is, right. it, it really is ridiculous when you're trying to do it. All of a sudden, everyone wants to buy you lunch. You know? Oh, I, and I felt awful about it too. When I've, I've been even in the vehicle with people that I didn't realize they were fasting. And mm-hmm. so I've been the, I've been on the devil's end of the whole deal. You, you've been, been like, Hey, I was thinking about, I was thinking about stopping in here at Rudy's and grab us some barbecue and thinking they'll mm-hmm. be like, Oh sure. Let's stop. And then I'll be like, what do you want? Oh, it's fine. I'm not eating today. Like, oh, <laughs> dude, are you fasting? I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I feel really bad, but I'll go ahead and get extra on my order and eat it in front of you. <laughs> well, and realistically, you know, you bring something up. Like the Bible says, you know, we're not supposed to try to show off our fasting, mm-hmm. but we are supposed to be realistic and practical. 
you know, so, and I've had, I've had two things happen. One, I've explained to someone, yeah, you know what? I appreciate that. I'm actually fasting today. So, you know, I'm not eating, but more than happy to sit with you, you know, as you enjoy your meal. And I've also been in situations where I thought it would be the, de the devil one. And you decided to, well, you decided I, thought to go it along. Be, <clears throat> I thought it would be inconsiderate to a point where it would not be helpful. So right. what they offered me, I ate and then I started my fast over and that was it, you know, and I simply avoided uh, the problem that I thought would be uh, insulting or damaging. So, you know, don't something that I think is important for us Christians to remember that we often forget is that people are what are important. Life is what's important. I'm never saying to sin in order to make someone happy. Okay. But what I'm saying is I can easily lighten up in order to uh, not insult or offend someone at times. I'm not saying disregard what God says. I'm not saying sin in order to please people. Okay. But there've been cases where, you know, like Caleb's mentioning and <clears throat> I, uh, I eat what's offered to me and I say, thank you. And then I go back to my fast and that's how I'm able to avoid it. And for me, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to come off as holier than thou. I didn't want to be offensive or insulting to the person. So that's fine. I can stop and I can start my fast again when I'm done eating, or I can start it over the next day or whatever I want to do. It's not the end of the world. So we have somebody here, Samuel Fask. I guess I wonder if Mr. Fask fasts a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Samuel, I had to, I just noticed fasting rhymes with fast. He That's asked, great. how does biblical fasting compare to intermittent fasting? I would say it's similar in that in one year, not eating part of the day for health benefits, but that's simply what intermittent fasting really is for, is for weight loss usually, or that type of thing. Other than I do know people, like I said, that have done intermittent fasting as, you know, they fast till noon. They skip breakfast and, and wait till lunch, and that's as good as they do. And I'm, I, I mean, it, it's still somewhat of a sacrifice. It's still not the same as actually fasting for a whole day. I don't know that it really does compare. I, it's obviously similar in that you're skipping some food, but it's not. When when the Bible talks about fasting, it's it is talking about fasting for you know a period of 24 hours, I believe. It's skip. It's not yeah. skipping part of your meals. It's all of your meals. Yeah. And the definition, the minimum amount of time that I would consider myself fasting is a biblical day. I do sun up to sun up. And if I do two days, I do sun up and then two days later, not sorry, uh, sundown to sundown. Um, you know, Which so that's I have found that day. to be, I have found that to actually be easier to go yeah. sundown to sundown fasting yeah, than it, to go like midnight to midnight. It really is because because really what you're doing is you're just skipping out on dinner one evening and then you have the following dinner to look forward to. But keep in mind, don't feel like you're not accomplishing something. That's the way that Jesus did it. That's the way the Jews did it in the time of Christ. And one thing I mentioned before you got on, Caleb, was that a lot of uh, folks would fast one day a week at the during the time of Christ. It was a regular thing, which is why when Jesus 
was explaining to him, by the way, when you fast, don't do it like this, do it like that. Everyone didn't say, wait a minute, what? Fasting? What's that? How does that work? So wait, did they fast once a week? What's that? Well, I, I actually have met, read my Bible, but I don't remember. Did was that? Did they actually fast once a week? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you you don't find that in the Bible. You find that in the Talmud. So that was something oh, that okay. a lot of a lot of Jews would do at the, around the time of Christ. Was they would do it weekly. They would fast one day a week in order to try to remain. Well, I know there was other times that I have read about, like the Feast of. Esther and there's a few several mm -hmm. different feasts that the Jews would fast around those times and so it wouldn't surprise me if if they would have fasted on a weekly basis you know on on the mm -hmm. Sabbath or you know whatever I'm not sure but I I didn't I wasn't aware of that that they did that but it's interesting yep there's plenty in the Bible that's it might be right in front of me in the Bible and I've read over it a bunch of times my, my wife actually mentioned something to me earlier today and I was like wait that's in the Bible because <laughs> we were talking about people that pray long-winded uh -huh. Here, I'll see if you if this rings a bell with you. I like okay. it, I never would have connected this to prayer at all. We're way off topic. Well, kind of off topic, I guess. Here we are. Go fasting. Ahead. We're, we're past about the praying hour. without. We can talk about yeah. whatever we want at this point. Okay. Well, should we talk about politics then? We already Speaking got into that. Speaking of Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> right. Um, so she was mentioning. Well, what was it? we were talking about? The, about we were talking about praying without ceasing and people sure. that get really long winded and uh -huh. not being able to and long repetitious prayers and how do you yeah. balance that? Because we came from the Pentecostal background where there is a lot of long repetitious prayers. Where I understand the idea of begging God for something, but when it gets to you know and interceding and and fasting and praying for a long time or whatever, but when it gets to the point of praying like you know you know how auctioneers are where sure. they have just a lot of a lot of um a lot of words that aren't needed in order yeah to get well that are off. that are not even yeah that are not even um intelligible it's mm -hmm. just noise and then every once in a while they, they put in a little bit of meaning in there sure. well there's I've, I've been around quite a few people that pray that way where there was i've been around of, people that pray like that when the food shows up I'm like, what are we doing here? Jesus, thank you for the food. Amen. And I want to eat it while it's hot. Have you had that lesson Anyways, with what's your the... kids yet? I have. Oh, my my oldest daughter, she she loves to pray and her prayers have gotten they're really sweet. Oftentimes she thanks God for what a wonderful life that she has and a wonderful family. And thank you for this food, Amen. That's about yeah. it. It's just very perfect. It's very short and to the point. And happy Thanksgiving, um, right? <laughs> Anyways, there's uh, there's some place, and she's telling me that she had heard about this in church growing up. That there's some place in Scripture where it talks about striking the arrows on the ground, um, and not and that he didn't strike the arrows on the ground as many times as he should have, and that this was compared to prayer life, not seeking God enough. And I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure I've read the Bible front to back a few times and I don't ever remember this popping out at me. And then of course she read this, she looked it up and she read the story and I should have asked her where it was. We were driving down the road and she Googled it or looked it up on her Bible app. And apparently there was, um, was it, oh, come on, who was it? Elisha? was the prophet, I think, the man of God. 
and someone had come to him and was asking him about there was people surrounding Israel, chariots surrounding Israel, and they were asking. They came to the man of God to ask him what to do, and he said, "Open the window and shoot a shoot an arrow out the window." And he said, "This window or this arrow represents." I'm really paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. This arrow represents um, the word of God going out, and that He's going to deliver you from from your enemies or whatever. And then he said uh, to strike his arrow on the ground, the arrows that were left in his quiver or something. So he struck them. I think it was three or four times. And it says the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have, should have struck the ground five times because you only struck it three or four times, whatever it was. Now God is only going to deliver you three times instead of five times or whatever. And then he died. And when she read the story, I did vaguely remember reading it in passing, but I never, ever would have connected that to prayer life. But somehow that was part of, you know, really seeking God and, and, and praying through. And, and I, like I told her earlier, I'm sure there actually really is a point to, to really um, interceding in prayer and really seeking God. There's seasons and times for that. And I, of course, would never want to undermine that um, because of my concern about being long-winded or uh, having vain repetitions in prayer. There is a, there is a time for actually fasting and praying for, you know, long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So anyways, Speaking of not knowing the Bible very well and just people pulling stuff out, I'm like, wait, where did that come from? Like fasting once a week or hitting arrows on the ground. I'm like, wait, how does that correlate to prayer? Can I bring up one more Bible verse before we finish up here? Yeah, sure. Here, if you go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and you can... You can start in verse 21 if you want or thereabouts and start reading down. And And Paul is kind of explaining his qualifications for his job, if you will. He's giving you a little bit of background and some of his experience. And he talks about, <clears throat> uh, are they ministers of Christ? I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure and prisons, more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day, and have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, um, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. And he continues on and explaining the difficulties that he has gone through in order to spread the gospel. But one of the things you notice that Paul talks about right in the middle there, can you just grab your mic and rub it on some sandpaper for everyone at home? That would be that would be ideal. It's this shirt. This shirt. Do you have a record? I don't know why it keeps rubbing on. Do you have a record Here, pull it that you can scratch it around on? Can you still hear okay. me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. I pointed it up here toward the heavens. It's actually a little better. You're usually you come in a little loud on the podcast. Um, okay, so where was that's I? So I can interrupt you and talk over well, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I, I appreciate that. Right during my heart closing remarks here. 
you get us off on the on the Bible verse we're reading. Okay, I, I so didn't realize this is supposed to be, be the aha moment, the grand finale yeah, here. I'll this is it. Okay, so Second okay. uh, Corinthians eleven verse twenty seven. What you find out is that Paul talks about how he fasts often. So again, we see uh, Jesus who fasts. We see his disciples who fasted and learned how to do it. We saw that John the Baptist fasted often, who was, you know, a great man of God, uh, certainly arguably the greatest based on what Jesus said. And then you have Paul who wrote, you know, most of the New Testament and was responsible for bringing the gospel from Jer from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. And <clears throat> we see that this other great man of God who's done so much for the Lord, what was one thing that he did often? He fasted. So I understand that fasting is not normal nowadays. I understand that it's one more thing you can pile up on the stack of um, over-the-top, zealous, weirdo Christianity. But when you ask the question, what did Jesus do? Well, he fasted and he did it regularly. So it does need to be a part of the Christian life. It's good for you. It's good for your relationship with God. So if you haven't ever tried it, uh, give it a go. It's only going to be a good experience for you. And um, like I said, there, the Bible talks plenty about it. There are plenty of good books about it. And I, I would just suggest that everyone, you know, if you haven't ventured into those waters yet, uh, try that out. You're going to be pleasantly surprised with what you learn about yourself and, and what you learn about God. And that's all I got for you. Caleb, what do you have? Bring us home. Uh, that's... <laughs> That was that was amazing. I was prepared to be amazed, and then the aha moment. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Actually, I literally couldn't hear any of that. Believe it or not, didn't come uh, through. I can see you banging on your mic there. But it didn't, <laughs> didn't work. Anyways, obviously, I didn't come here well prepared to tell anybody how to do anything other than to break a fast accidentally and <laughs> improperly that fast. That was very helpful. Both of those. <laughs> And how to tempt people so, who were already fasting with oh, a that big too, yeah. meal of Texas barbecue. <laughs> no, I've definitely, I've definitely, um, I'm not, I'm definitely not probably as good at fasting as I should be. I should do it more often because I, I, there's been times and periods where I've fasted a lot more and that I have definitely seen God come through and answer prayer, um, specifically after times where I was fasting and fasting with other people. Uh, the one thing I would warn about fasting with other people is don't just rely on when your church suggests it. I know of a lot of churches that sometimes they'll suggest, you know, kind of a church wide fast mm -hmm. um, that I really like the idea of solitary fasting rather than just fasting mm -hmm. with other people, because that really takes away the whole idea of, of stacking it up as kind of a religious accolade. Like you mentioned, um, it's really, it's, if, if it's just between you and God and nobody else knows you're doing it and you're not, you're not making an open show about it. I feel that it's for me, um, there's a lot less temptation 
during those times than when I fasted with other people. I have fasted with other people, but oftentimes there's been times where they texted throughout the day, you know, I'm wondering how it's going and, and it almost can turn into this comparison thing. And then when I accidentally cheat on my fast and going through this whole thing, do I tell them or should I still pretend like I'm fasting with them and all the other terrible sins that come along with that? So anyways, I've just found that when it's just between me and God, it seems like it's the most effective. And um, I don't really, I've not really ever found, felt like that there is a certain method or uh, like you said, it's a pretty simple cut and dry thing. Just don't eat Just and pray. Don't eat. And that's, yeah, there you go. That's about it. You're doing it right. There's not really, <laughs> there's not really any, any complicated way to it other than just do it and and stick to it. And I would say really do try to stick to it with, you know, the biblical day, like we've mentioned. And obviously this is a very foreign thing to, to Americans because a day is midnight to midnight uh, for most people. That's just what we think of, but that's not what they were doing in the Bible. That's not how it worked then. So anyways, yeah, I thought it was a fun discussion. Obviously, I don't um, know that I have any huge nuggets of wisdom on this, but but um, yeah, give it a shot. And if anybody has any stories, let us know, I guess, of how God is delivering you and, and working and, and bring some testimony back. It's one thing that oftentimes we get on here is a lot of a lot of questions and we do a lot of um, a lot of musing about the Bible. But I, I always think it's fun to hear from people when God actually comes through and answers prayer and you, you see him uh, working in your life. So uh, even if you've watched watching this after the fact um, and you have a story about some time that God has come through and answered prayer, he definitely does answer prayer. So let us know in the comments. That'll be it for me as well. Um, I guess we'll be back on next Friday. Thank you all. Thanks, Patrick. You know, I was just thinking that this message is kind of a, uh, it's a Nike message. Just do it. <laughs> when it comes to and the end of it, like that's it. There it is. Biblical fasting. You know, just do it. How much did you get paid? <laughs> we we split this uh, eventually. podcast down the middle. Okay? Yeah, when exactly. Nike hears that we're dropping their name to two dozen people across this country over the age of sixty-five, let me tell you, okay, the sponsorship is coming. You just wait. Yeah, okay? it's going to play. So out eventually. For us. Five years down the road, when we're a, a uh, actually, you know what? We this episode could be the one that makes us a top ten really? episode here. Is when yeah, when somebody goes and tries to fast, no water and no oh, food yeah, for forty days, and then we make national headlines because yeah. you know up Some up and coming top ten podcast children and their dog being sued and criminally charged yeah. for and encouraging people to go starve themselves name dropping bible thumper and it gets on national news yep that's what i was yeah, waiting this is, for this is probably episode where we make it big mm-hmm. here we go this is we have we have ticket. one coming on on suicide too right if it's not this one it's got to be our, our episode on suicide it's got yeah. it's got to do it one or the other yeah it's coming up yeah, that one's for sure to land us in a federal prison for at least, or at least, at least be under investigation. Let me just tell you this. I am not looking forward to hearing that podcast at the trial. <laughs> exactly. So this will, this will be though, this will be when Nike pulls their sponsorship. Yep. <laughs> is when we go on the suicide one. When there's a federal injunction again. Yeah. Oh, speaking of sponsorships, if anybody is upset with anything you hear on any of these episodes, feel free to contact mm-hmm. Nike and let them know that they need to pull their sponsorships. Pull the funding. Yep. That's good. All right. We're out of here. We'll see you next week when we talk about the nation of Israel. All right. Good night. Shabbat shalom.